All right, everyone. Here we are again on the Nelson Show. This is, let's see, when Thursday. Today's Thursday, the 17th. I have a hard time keeping track of what day of the week it is anymore. So it's been a busy couple of months, to say the least. Um, baseball's almost over. We've got a couple more games maybe towards the end of the month. Oh, and just everything else that's been going on. Hopefully I'll have my truck back next week. New motor getting put in it, or new to me, new used motor. Uh, yeah, hopefully that'll turn out all right. Uh, let's see, what else has been going on? So, been doing yard work. Got the brakes changed on the Tahoe this morning. Then yard work, moving gravel around, kind of getting some of the I don't know what you'd call it. Decorative rock. <laughs> it's not really decorative, but it's going around the foundation of the, the yard between the edging and the grass. Uh, got a rock moved into the front porch area that I've got a little fountain thing, I guess you could call it that, coming out of the rock. It's drilled for a little pump. I got pumping water through it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we picked up a different little four-wheeler for the kids. Mostly for the kids, probably. Uh, but it's uh, one of those things here in Utah. You got to make sure that you get your kids an education certificate, uh, especially riding on public lands, I guess. It's a, a law that I don't know how long ago it's been put in place. But it uh, is a youth ATV motorcycle snowmobile certification. Um, according to... Um, the DNR, their little thing says, to help ensure the safety of all riders, Utah law allows anyone under 18 of age can operate an OHV on public land if they are able to reach and operate each control necessary to safely operate the off-highway vehicle and have in their possession an OHV education certificate or a valid driver's license and under direct adult supervision. The online youth education course fee is $30 per student, and you only need to pass it once. Once you pass, you can print out a temporary operator license that will be valid immediately. You will receive your permanent license in the mail. The OHV certificate covers all-terrain vehicles, off-highway motorcycles, and side-by-side -side ATVs, Type 2 ATVs, or UTVs. And the snowmobile certification covers all only snowmobiles. Okay, I guess you can do... That's just a snowmobile one as well. Uh, these education classes help keep you safe by teaching necessary skills such as safe riding, proper machine sizing, weight distribution, responsible and ethical riding, proper handling and shifting, and riding within your ability. Eh, that's probably not a good thing to have them know if they're going to be riding off whole highway vehicles and uh, get that course. You don't end up with a ticket that costs more than $30. I'm sure that they're charging you for the, the license. Oh, and I gotta get the stupid thing registered anyways too, so I got a, a bunch of other crap to still get done this month. But uh hopefully everybody's doing all right, having a good fun summer. Hopefully COVID free. And uh been able to get out, enjoy the outdoors. I know it's getting hot here, not high nineties, low hundreds last week or so. Uh, I think it's supposed to be in at least the high nineties for the next little while. And this is officially, I think, going into summer. So we got to deal with that. And uh, 
You know, I'm going to give uh, a little, uh, I don't know what do you call it. I guess a rethought about this man-made climate change stuff. And I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, you know what? I mean, I guess in a way they're kind of right. It is man-made. But maybe not in the way they think it is. Um, I will, I guess, explain what I'm saying here in a moment. All right, so I've been thinking about this whole climate change thing again. I mean, don't mean to be beating a dead horse over on this one, but in a way, I mean, I guess they kind of, uh, you know, they're saying this is man-made climate change, but they're trying to blame it basically all on industry and car exhaust. Well, I think part of the problem ends up being that we have, you know, we built roads, we built skyscrapers, you know, we build all these things that, change the course of natural water uh, from the mountains to the lakes, uh, you know. I mean, even to the point where we dry up certain areas with pipes and ditches to divert water through its natural, not, you know, take it out of its natural flow through the ground and transport it to the lakes and rivers or reservoirs or wherever we end up putting it. And... We don't ever look at, we don't put all the the details together to come up with solutions. All we want to do is just ban cars, which isn't going to be an answer either. Uh, because we just don't have technology to offset good old diesel fuel, gasoline. And until that happens... Um, I don't know. I'm driving. I'm driving my gasoline-powered, my oil-burning vehicles. So what I what I'm getting at is, if I was looking at a map of all the dried-up lake beds across just the west western United States, and these have all been drying up for eons. Uh, some of them have been dried up for you know decades, if not more. Uh, but even right here in the state of Utah, you know, we got Utah Lake, which, you know, all of the rivers that drain into it, and then they drain down the Jordan River into the Great Salt Lake, which doesn't drain anywhere. And it just, you know, has been drying up, you know, look back at the Lake Bonneville thing that used to be cover pretty much a good portion of the northern part of the state uh, and out through a lot of Nevada, out basically kind of where I-80 runs. There used to be lakes all the way across there, all when Lake Bonneville was probably, you know, 100, 200 feet deep or however deep it used to be. You know, uh, you can see all the the wash lines from back then clear up on the mountain. You know, they've got a shoreline trail that runs across it. And, uh, you know, so we, we've got more and more people also moving to the west and coming into these inland western states that... You end up sucking, you know, we, we're building and building and building, putting in more water pipes, more water tanks. So we're sucking out all that water out of the aquifer into these tanks that we're consuming, basically, uh, for whatever. I mean, you got to figure every time there's a house built, you've got, you're doing a showers, uh, dishes, water in your lawn, which actually a lot of places have gone the secondary water, which is just ditch water 
that's piped. But as far as clean drinking water, that's all, you know, your garden hoses, all that stuff is all ran out of culinary water. So, I mean, as far as that goes, we are, we are changing the climate. The problem is we don't adapt to change it. Um, what, what would happen? I mean, I've probably said this before. What would happen if we actually, you know, our, most of this world is water, some, something around like 70% water. But then we end up with water shortages on dry land. So what if instead of us complaining about it, can we not build pipelines that would actually pump water from the ocean, uh, especially here in Utah, the Great Salt Lake, it's already a salt bodied water anyways. Why can we not bring water back in and start filling a lot of that back up? Um, A lot of that comes with, especially during the winter, you get a lot of um, lake effect snow. Um, I don't know. I'm sure everybody's heard of lake effect snow, especially if you've lived anywhere near Lake Great Lake areas. They have a lot of lake effect snow that goes on up there. But it would help, I think, put more snowpack through the western Rockies um, from this larger inland body of water that we keep sucking more and more of that water that we get into the mountains out of the system. I mean, it eventually ends up going somewhere again, you know, either evaporating or most likely into our oceans. But we're not adapting as fast as we are consuming. And nature, it, like, even though it's salt water, when it evaporates, it doesn't take the salt with it. So when it creates snow and stuff during the winters, it adds to the snowpack, which will end up putting more water in our streams and our reservoirs upstream that we can use. We also use them for recreation. I mean, this year we've got uh, the DNR is giving out. Well, if you have a fishing license, they're, they're upping the limits to a lot of these reservoirs uh, that they are already either low or they are predicting to be super low. So they want as many people going out there and taking a higher number of these fish out before the lakes or reservoirs get low enough that they end up, the fish end up dying. The warmer waters don't carry the oxygen through it as well. And they end up dying and then they wash up on the shores or they're out there floating in the water. So it's no fun to be out there, you know, boating, you know, water skiing, anything like that. And then there's all these stinky dead floating fishes all over. So if you lived here in Utah or if you don't, you're coming to visit, uh, get a fishing license uh, and look it up. Find out which reservoirs and the limits on them or get a the fishing guide will give you a basic thing. But these are updated rules for this year just due to the drought. So if you want to want to fish and like fishing or you just even want to try it, your odds of catching stuff with these lower reservoirs is going to be a little bit higher. So uh, good year good year to try and uh go test out your fishing skills uh that's kind of why i was looking at yuba yuba lake you i guess it's not a lake it's a reservoir it was a man-made reservoir back in the early 1900s uh didn't know that i've gone there quite a bit but didn't know it was uh built that long ago <laughs> um they got quite a few different little campsites and stuff around the lake as well uh ohv trails that you can ride on um Sandy beaches, 
They got open camping where you can just camp in a tent. They have spots for uh, hookups and stuff at certain ones. Uh, look it up. I, I do believe it's on, uh, let me see what it is here, stateparks.utah.gov. And you can kind of look up whatever different places. Um, it gives you a list of all the parks. Uh, let's see. So, I mean, you got Antelope Island, Bear Lake, Dead Horse Point, Coral Pink Sand Dunes, Camp Floyd. A lot of those aren't camping spots, but they're state parks. Um, East Canyon, Deer Creek, Edge of the Cedars, Escalante, Petrified Forest, Flight Park, Echo. There's another reservoir uh, up towards Colville. I'm sure that one will be pretty low this year. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's in that one. I'd imagine trout uh, of some sort, browns and rainbows probably. Maybe maybe bass in there. I'm not sure. Uh, starvation. Eh, I don't know how low that one is this year, but I'm, I'm assuming they're all going to be pretty low. That gets its water out of the, the high Uinas and stuff up that way. Uh, pretty much where the, the Provo River comes from. It runs two ways. It, it comes from clear up in the middle there. One goes down towards, uh, I think it's Bear Lake. Something like that. And the other one comes down here to Utah Lake. Quite a quite a travel uh, from a, some pretty high elevations. Um, let's see. What else we got here? The Great Salt Lake. Um, which the last time I had kind of seen that lake, it's it's getting pretty low. I mean, not that it's ever been very deep in the first place. <laughs> but it's getting to be just kind of a mud puddle. And I mean, there's thousands and thousands of acres of area out there we could put water and you know make it make it so we need to adapt we can eventually slowly cut down on you know our fossil fuels but until we get to one of those points which is still in my opinion a long ways down the road Unless somebody comes up with some kind of miracle power source, you know, because everybody doesn't want to build nuclear plants. And, you know, everybody wants to put up all these windmills and solar panels everywhere that are unreliable at best and super expensive. And the maintenance on them 10, 15 years down the road is astronomical. So we just need something better than the, the obvious things we could do that aren't super efficient in my opinion. Um, so what, what would, what would it cost? What if this was like a multi-state project, uh, coming out of, I don't know, Sacramento area. It, oh, I don't even know what the coastline looks like down in that area. If it'd even be feasible, but somewhere building a pump site and run a pipe all the way out and even across like a lot of parts of interstate 80 where uh there's lots of old dried up lake beds in those areas like i said i don't know what the what it would actually take but if you had multiple states saying hey you know we gotta we gotta adapt to this water problem uh the higher elevations aren't getting the moisture they normally do so let's you know all go in we'll build this water pipeline we'll pump it across we'll pump in all these wherever they can 
you know, feasibly pump in and make these small lakes. And then they can just fill them as they need year round. I mean, this is, it's always been a desert out through this part of the States, you know, kind of more of the central Western parts of the States. It's been a desert for as long as, you know, anybody's been here. Lakes were higher, but, you know, like I said, we have moved in. We've, you know, we've found ways of collecting it. And the more and more people, especially here in Utah, there's there's still people moving here left and right. Uh, they're still building housing like crazy. So in all these subdivisions, you got to put water lines in. Um, you're put in drainage pipes. Uh, if there happens to be any kind of water that naturally runs through there, like springs through the ground, they end up typically uh, digging into them and creating um, sump-type pumps. Not, not necessarily sump pumps, but piping that's got, like, holes in it so the water will actually drain into the pipe and then the pipe directs it out of that area. So we have technology that does all that stuff and pretty simply. So we reroute where all these natural water zones came down through the ground and went to underground springs that actually used to feed a lot of these lakes and stuff. Or even, you know, the natural places a lot of these uh, creeks and stuff out of the mountains went, we collect them in pipes and if it if it's runoff, it'll go through certain pipes, and a lot of it sometimes from down this way ends up going up north to the Salt Lake uh, Salt Lake Valley, and up into a lot of their aquifers. So, or not their aquifers, their uh, uh, ponds and stuff up that way. So even down this way in Utah County, we don't even get the water a lot of the water that comes out of the mountains down this way it ends up going up north to the salt lake valley so i think we just got to adapt to what we have uh like i said we're probably beating a dead horse over this i don't know if i've actually even talked about that before if we could look at some of these old maps that these scientists have looked at and said oh yeah there's all these you know they've mapped them out these were all dry lake beds you know they know all the elevations of them and a lot of them were all parts of the old historic Bonneville Lake. Um, but for, you know, tens, twenties, you know, who knows, thousands of years, that lake's been drying up because it's whenever these mountains formed or if there was actually, uh, you know, one time they think it might have been the earth froze down over almost to the equator. And it was left over like glacier or something that was just an indent, you know, in the in the mountain valley areas. And when that all melted, it left a big lake. And all that's true. I don't know. You know, I mean, anybody's guess is as good as anybody's. But anyways, it's it's uh, summertime. And it is, I mean, the number of state parks here is is crazy. Just here in Utah, that's so so diverse. Uh, Jordanelle, that one's kind of getting low too. I, I went up past there not too long ago, and it's it's probably down thirty or forty feet from its high mark. 
Uh, you know, it's also a reservoir that was man-made. Um, so we, so we, we have the technology to collect water at higher elevations. We build dams. That's the Provo River comes into there and actually feeds the Jordanelle Reservoir. It goes down, feeds the lower, lower Provo down through, and goes to Utah Lake. Um, let's see, Otter Creek. That's a pretty cool place. I've been down there. Um, Quail Creek. I don't know if I've been there or not. Sand Hollow, Schofield. Haven't been up Schofield in a while. Um, beautiful mountain lake though. Heritage Park, Snow Canyon, Rockport, Red Fleet. I'm not sure where that is. Palisade, Paiute, Mill Site. Kodachrome Basin, Hiram, Jordan River, um, Historic Union Pacific Rail Trail. I don't know where that's at. Uh, Gunlock. I'm not sure where that one is either. I mean, there's still, I mean, I don't know how many places here just in Utah that I don't even know about. Well, I've heard of them, but I've never been to. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Steinecker, Territorial State House, Heritage Park, Wasatch Mountain State Park. Utah Lake, Utah Fieldhouse, Willard Bay, and Yuba. Uh, so, I mean, like I say, you look that up at the the stateparks.utah.gov. And, I mean, take your pick. <laughs> uh, lots of beautiful places, though. And, uh, yeah, that's probably about all I got for you today. Just kind of keeping in touch with everybody, the whole... Two or three listeners that I got on here, anyways. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get back with you with something else. Hopefully, next couple of days before I go back to work, we'll uh, have something more interesting to tell you. I'll start looking through all my probably hundreds of emails I've got that I haven't got to in a while, and see what's been going on in the world. I need to catch up myself, so. I'll get back with you and let you know what's going on. Thanks again for listening. I hope you tune in again next time. We'll catch you then.